Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Go Within or Go Without Radio. I am your host, Daniel Gutierrez, and it's been a long time since I've been on the air. I think it was the beginning of December when I decided uh, I was going to be heading out to Peru. Uh, As you well know, I am building a uh, spiritual center out there, and I had a great time the month of December and got back. And as you can probably tell, I caught a flu. So I'm here. Happy New Year to everyone. And I'm so excited about our first guest of the year. Uh, after walking away from a successful career at a Fortune 100 company to find more meaning, purpose, and fun, Lisa Dad transformed more than her day job. Her decision to invest in what she was meant to be in life rather than settle for what she was doing for a living inspired her to write her first book, Finding Fabulous, Paving a Path Between Paycheck and Passion. It is, it, it is she declares, uh, us to consider our fabulous life, what our fabulous life looks like and provides. She provides practical, relevant tools for anyone tired of feeling stuck and ready to take action. The truth is that today, uh, there are many people that are waking up and realizing that whatever they've been doing for the last year, five years, 20 years, just isn't fulfilling anymore. And that's why I was so excited about having her on the air because her book, Finding Fabulous, is about that transition that she's made and how you can do that. Many of you know that 20 years ago, I did the same thing. I decided that I was tired of doing what I was doing and transitioned into what I'm doing today. So welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you for having me. So you know what's interesting about um, what you did, and I think that, uh, what a lot of people are waking up and doing uh, is they're, they're finding themselves, I don't know if it's stuck or just unfulfilled, but what was that? Was there an actual moment that the light went on and you're sitting there in your office and all of a sudden you realize, who am I? Where am I? Did that happen to you? <laughs> well, I, I think I had several of those <laughs> moments over the years, um, you know, <laughs> Um, I like to describe it in my book, though, that there was a moment, and I say it was a split-second decision years in the making, because it really was. There were lots of those moments when I used to, I used to say, when I figure out what I want to do, I'll go do it. And I don't know if I thought this little magic, um, you know, purpose fairy was going to come and sprinkle magical dust on me, um, and it was just going to happen, but um yeah, it was one particular moment when my company happened to be going through a major downsizing and everyone around me was afraid of losing their jobs when I realized I was more, more afraid of keeping mine. Wow. So, yeah, it was a really aha moment. You, you, wanted, you were looking for an excuse. <laughs> Let me go. <laughs> Let me go, yes. Um, yeah, so, you know, in that moment, I thought, wow, um, I'm, wait- I'm sitting around waiting for someone else to decide what my life is going to look like um, for a job I don't even want anymore. Wow. I, 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 have, I was president of an organization in uh, New York City a few years back, and it was, um, I had a lot of uh, presidents, CEOs, CFOs, CDOs that were part of the organization, and when the country went through its um, financial uh, troubles a few years back, a lot of them lost their jobs, and one of the things that I would always tell them is that, hey, what a great opportunity, you know, to take a look (laughs) at where you are in life and whether or not you want to continue on, and the truth is, 
um, that most of, uh, of the jobs that, that are eliminated through either right-sizing or downsizing in America today are usually obsolete anyway, which means that the person's skill set may be obsolete, and that job will never come back. And so that really forces people to have to take a look at, well, if I'm going to start over, why not do something that I enjoy and love doing? So one of the things that I found they had a problem with, and this is something I think you discuss in your book, is when they find themselves, when people find themselves in those positions, the very first question they ask themselves is, what is my passion? What do I want to do? How did you find that for yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was definitely a journey for me to find that. You know, I, I talk about different ways people find this in the book. And some people are just born knowing what they're going to do for the rest of their lives. You know, you take someone like, a, I don't know, a Tiger Woods who starts playing golf at the age of two or something and has yeah, a deep love right. for it. But it, I don't think I call those people born knowing, but I don't know that there are uh, that many of us that really have a really strong sense of that. I mean, there's definitely some, and I call those the lucky few. But for me, I had to really, um, first of all, take the time to actually think about that. You know, I think a lot of times we, we stop asking ourselves, what do we want to be when we grow up? You know, and we, we switch mm. it to more, what can I do that someone will pay me? And I think that's an important switch that needs to go back, back to what, because you can start with, what am I curious about? What fascinates me? What am I gravitated towards? What, who do I love being around? And when you start with those questions, eventually you can get to how will I make a money, how will I make a living doing something in that space? But if we don't ask ourselves that question first, we get down a different path of just thinking about who will pay me. You know, that's so true because I know for me, um, I don't, I don't remember as a high school student when we were looking at where are we going from here that I ever thought I would be a writer. <laughs> I never <laughs> I never really really looked at that I'd be doing uh radio, any of this stuff. Um and so it <laughs> wasn't until uh my late my mid thirties where I started to ask myself those questions that you're that you just said, you know, what fascinates me and it was always public speaking, which is something that most people are scared of. And so that, that's where I went. That, that's where I gravitated to, and that's obviously what I do today. Um, but usually we're, we're, it seems like we're forced into that situation. Uh, I don't know that people in today's world in corporate, um, there are some, I, I think, that wake up and leave, and there are some that are forced into it. Um, but w- w- are there any questions that, the, that a person can ask themselves um, that you think would, be, would help them? I think, I think you were saying – uh, what am I interested in or what am I curious in? Are there any other questions you think they could ask themselves? Because, I, you know, one of the, the reasons why yes, we don't yeah. do what we like to do is we, we don't know how to get there. Yeah. I, and I think that, like I said, it's common. So I think definitely starting to be in this process of self-discovery. But there's a couple different things that I suggest. One of them that I talk about in my book as well is signs from our youth. So sometimes it's good to just stop and reflect back on what did I love doing as a child? Like back in the days when you were a carefree youth and nobody was putting parameters on your play, quote unquote, your play, what did that look like? Because I would imagine that you now as a a loving being this speaker, probably back in the day, you played that a little bit in some way. You know, when I was a kid, we used to like put on plays for my family. I love to stand on a stage and speak. I loved public speaking when I was in school and it was public speaking time when all my friends used to dread it. And, you know, I think also about my favorite toy was Lego. 
and I think, why was it Lego? It was because I got to create, back in those days, the Lego was not a set that created one thing. It was just random blocks. And I got to put right. them together <laughs> in different ways. You know, they were colorful. I got to be creative. One day it could be one thing. Another day I could break it down and build something else with those foundation blocks. And I think about what I'm doing now, and I think that's what I'm doing with my life now. And so I would say that one of the things people can do is look back into your youth and those days or even even your free time now. How are you spending it when you get to do whatever it is you want, when you're not worried about uh, what society thinks it looks like, when you're not worried about specifically how much money you're going to make from it. So there's this idea of just being in the exploration of allowing yourself. When do I, you know, when do I have fun? When, when am I really lit up with energy? I like that. I, I, I like that. It's true. I was just trying to think back to my, to my uh, youth. Um, uh, I was always, you're right. You know, it's, it's funny because I was always on stage trying to act like I was doing something on stage. I don't, you know, which is kind of funny because the way I ended up was on stage, right? So, yeah, yeah, looking back, I could see where, you know, watching TV and, 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 and being on stage and singing and performing, I guess, so to speak. Uh, was yeah, and I, I think. Enjoyed, but I, never in my wildest dreams did I ever think that that, that was something I should follow. <laughs> Yeah, I think because at certain times when you were playing that as a child, you didn't have, you had certain parameters around what that could look like. And as you get older and you start exploring, you realize that standing on a stage doesn't have to be you being an actor in a play. It can look differently. There's different options, right? Uh, There's one more suggestion I would make for people in exploration is also to consider what also annoys you and frustrates you. Because there's the finding things that bring you joy, but what are some of the things that also maybe you look around um, your your work or you look in society and there's a problem or something that irritates you, and that can be a draw towards the idea that you are meant to find a solution for that particular thing. So if it bugs you that much, it's like perhaps it's that seed is inside of you because you're meant to find a different way of doing something, and there is possibility for following a passion as well in terms of solution finding. Yeah. And, and of course, then, you know, so let's move forward. So let's, let's take the listener down the road that they, they've, they've kind of gone back. And I don't know that, you know, when I was a kid playing with a GI Joe with a Kung Fu grip was going to get me anywhere. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but um, this is the thing that I think really bugs people about, about status. This is, I'm going to ask you a question about status because this is the thing I hear the most. Sure. Uh, and something I went through uh, going from making the kind of money I was making to, um, you know, you're wearing all hats, not just a hat um, when you're out on your own. But leaving behind the status quo, leaving mm-hmm. behind the um, – I just leave it at that. Talk about that because that's mm-hmm. where people get stuck. They they. They can't seem to let go of titles. They can't seem to let go of status quo. They can't seem of status, period. How, how did you make that transition, and what do you recommend for others? Yeah, I love that you brought this up because um, the status quo, I'm all about stepping outside the status quo, but I believe that people need to come to a place where they are willing to do that. And in order to find that willingness, you really have to have some other deeper desire than the status quo. And so the the discovery Mm -hmm. questions of what you really want and what is really missing from your life, 
I, if, if you're out there thinking, you know, this, I'm really stuck in this job. I want to be more creative. I want to have more of an impact. The deeper that I dove into those questions and really found a deep sense, it was really hard to go back to my job every day and feel like I wasn't making, it didn't matter what I was doing. I wasn't making a difference. And the more and more I wanted to make a difference, the more willing I was to go further away from the status quo. Now, I'm not saying everybody's going to be willing to make a major leap and quit their job, nor should they do that. But what I will say is as you start walking down the path of finding and discovering, and I'll call it uncovering the layers, your real true heart's desire, and it sounds a little trite that way, but when you really start uncovering those layers, your willingness of what you'll do to make that happen opens up. And so it's okay if your willingness is just a little bit to, you know, I'm willing to explore the possibility of leaving that big job for maybe a better job that pays me the same. Okay, start looking. And then you start looking and you find a job and you say, well, maybe that job has a little more risk to it and I may make more money, I may make less, but it looks so good, I'm a little willing to step into that. You know, and then if you, if you go along this path, you start to uncover the willingness as you go. And eventually, all of a sudden, the status quo is so far behind you, you're like, I didn't know how I ever lived in it before. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Yeah. I, I think that, that um, the toughest, the toughest um, transition that I made was letting go of, of that, letting go of not only status quo, but also the status of where I was mm, at. Because all of a sudden, yeah. I, found, I found myself literally doing everything. I, I guess you don't realize the structure that you have around you in a corporation that does everything for you until you're out there and you realize, oh, marketing, PR, um, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, there's, there's all kinds of stuff. Oh, I got I to gotta wash my clothes. I got I to gotta clean the house. Yeah. Oh, oh, marketing, PR, right? So these are all things that, that, that happen, and, and they don't have to be scary things. But, you know, one of the things that, that I think is important um, to bring up, and it, so let's just let's just go down the road a little bit further. And now let's say you made the transition. Uh, another very difficult thing uh, for me to, in the beginning to measure for me was my success because in a formalized mm-hmm. structure, like a corporation, it's defined for you. You reach this, this milestone and you're deemed successful. You get more pay or you get a, an attaboy or a party. How do you measure success when you're not in a formalized situation? Yeah, measuring success is a really tricky one for a couple different reasons. I think because internally we actually get confused on what success means for us. And secondarily, I think because we do seek some external validation. You know, in grade school or high school, you're used to getting a grade. And then you go into a formal, if you're in a corporate structure, you get a grade still because you get performance reviews at the end of the year. That's right. So I think, yep. yeah, I think it's, it's partly when you go, you know, this journey requires that you start to find different parameters for measuring your success, which requires, again, that you start asking the questions to yourself, what actually makes me feel successful? So, you know, I, I asked everybody this that I interviewed for my book, and I said, how did your definition of success evolve along the way? And for the most part, most people really said, you know, I didn't define it before. It was like it was defined for me. I needed a big house and a big car, and I needed, you know, a bigger, a better car than my neighbor. And, um, again, as you start to uncover these layers of what you want in your life, then you, you are required to actually create a definition around it. 
So say you mm-hmm. say, I want to be a professional speaker, and I say, really, why? What really is it about speaking? And you say, well, I love to touch my audience and know that I impacted their lives in a positive way. I said, okay, well, how would you know you did that? What would feel successful? How would you know you were successful in touching those audiences? And so then you get to create parameters around that. But they go hand in hand. So if you don't really know what you want in your life, you, you, you can't really create a definition of success for that. You know, if you love uh, it, beautiful it, it, cars, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead if you love beautiful cars. No, I was just saying if you do love beautiful cars and when you're driving in your car, you feel your freedom and, you know, all of those things, there's nothing wrong with having a de- definition of success to say I will have my dream car one day. That, that, there's nothing wrong with having a material um, piece of that. So I think sometimes people get, think they have to get completely away from that. And I would say you don't. I would just say, what, what does that look like for you? And the clearer you can get on your own personal definition, the quicker you can let go of everybody else's definition. I like that. Uh, I wrote recently that uh, uh, over the last 21, 22 years that I've been doing what I'm doing, um, I've had many ups and downs, but one of the things that I've found is that success isn't always monetary. That my success today isn't always about money uh, as much as it is about fulfillment. And, and that's really why I left corporate in the first place to find fulfillment. Although it took me a long time to get there because I had to go through some of these Mm -hmm. things that you're talking about, you know, the status quo, how do I measure success? What does success mean to me? Um, and you're right. I'm glad you said what you said. It's okay if you want to ha- drive a Lamborghini. Good for you. Work for it. You know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I- I'm happy that you do. Um, I find with the people that I tend to coach is that people want fulfillment. They want peace and tranquility uh, in a very chaotic, chaotic world. Listen, you you called your book uh, Finding Fabulous. Why? What does that mean to you? Finding Fabulous. Yeah, so finding fabulous to me, this goes along with exactly what you were saying about people want peace and they want fulfillment. I think people want it all right now. It's like I need to be fulfilled completely <laughs> today, all in one moment. And I think it's, and it's a journey. It's a path. That's why I didn't call it seven steps to feel fulfilled. I called it a path, paving a path, because we walk down this path, I believe. And if you're walking down the path of looking for and continuing to strive and actually put action toward finding more fabulous in your life, that's where the expression came from. Because it is an intentional choice to go after what fulfills you, what makes you happy, what brings you joy. And I believe that, I believe we can have, we have it in the moment when we appreciate what's in front of us and we continue still to strive for more of that. So it's like, have gratitude right now. Like, what brings me joy right now? And what is so wonderful in my life? And how can I keep having more of that? You know, how can I keep walking towards being in a space with people that fill me up, that bring me joy? Um, What am I doing today that I love? And how can I do more of that? And so I call it finding fabulous, um, not without, you know, not negating what's fabulous in your life right now. In fact, it it, it causes me to actually appreciate more what's fabulous and then continue towards even continue towards what that means, even as the path changes my definition and my equation of it as I go along. Right. What, what, Lisa, tell us how we find you. Uh, if people are really uh, wanting to get your book again, this is finding fabulous. 
is the name of her book. How do they find you? How do they find your book? And how do they learn more about what you do? Yeah, sure. Um, the easiest way is to go to my website, which is lisadad.com. And dad is spelled D-A-D-D. So whether you go to my website, lisadad.com, um, the book, you can type Lisa Dad into the Amazon search and my book should pop up as well. So that's the easiest way to find me. Good. So uh, again, lisadad.com. Her book is Finding Fabulous, Paving the Path Between Paycheck and Passion. I really like that. Um, you have a superpower. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love this question, and I, I like to ask other people of it too. What is your superpower? Um, but, you know, I have just discovered in the last few years that I actually have a very intuitive, creative sense. And I can look back and think, you know, I've always had that. I just didn't always uh-huh. appreciate, recognize, or respect it. And so I'm learning, and I have to say it's still a journey, it's still a path, um, to really uh, surrender to it and allow it to come up. Sometimes I get so stuck in problems, and I think, you know, if I just allow myself a little bit of space, I'm really good at problem solving and popping up creative, innovative ideas and solutions to problems. And if I just let my intuition take over, usually it does me well. Yeah, you know, I, I like that superpower. I think everybody has something there that they hide because it isn't cool or it's not acceptable. But, you know, things today, it's really what's really beautiful about our world today is that things that we thought would never be acceptable have become acceptable. And, and um, there's more opportunity um, for us um, to be ourselves rather than not. Um, so I have a question. Um, you and I both um, have talked about being dog lovers. You say your dog is the wisest teacher. Why? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny that you asked me that question right now because you just started squeaking a toy beside me. I don't no, know if you I, hear I that. Know. That's why. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. So perfect. Um, yes. And ironically, I got my dog right before I left the corporate world. So it was divine timing that my, my dog came along, my, my, my four-legged soulmate and uh, teacher here. Um, I love it that, you know, for, it started out that I loved hiking with my dog. And I found that the majority of the time when I was hiking with my dog, I could, you know, release my anxieties and my thoughts and just enjoy myself. But I would look over and my dog would be doing something that I would have this little aha, and it would be like an analogy for life for me. And so I'll give you a little example. Um, I, when, he was, when I was training him, I had him on a short leash, and he used to pull me every which direction, and it used to drive me crazy <laughs> trying to get him just to walk beside me. And I actually switched to a retractable leash, which is the leashes, you know, that you can change the, the length of it as, as we go. And I noticed that as long as he had an opportunity to go at his own pace and his own distance and add a little bit of flexibility to explore as we walked along that he wasn't so anxious and he wasn't so, he wasn't pulling. And I thought, isn't that unique? Because it's sort of how I felt in the corporate world is that I didn't have a long enough leash. I felt like I didn't Mm. have the autonomy. I didn't have the creativity that I wanted to have. It's like, I need a longer leash. And every now and then I need to be completely off leash and I need to be able to go wherever I need to go and run around and burn my energy and have freedom. And I, and so it was little moments like that. And I have several of them. I can't get into them all today, but 
Um, it's little moments <laughs> when I allow my, my dog. I think my dog is so wise that he teaches me exactly what I need if, I, if I'm paying attention. Yeah, you know, I, I love that analogy. It's so true. My, my dogs are the same way. They don't like being on a leash. And, and, you're, and the little one, as long as I use a retractable, he tends to stay around. Um, but I like that. What a great, what a great um, title for a book, though. You know, letting uh, uh, what was it you were saying? Give, kind of giving you room to, uh, which corporate doesn't do a lot. Uh, actually, the successful companies that do allow their employees to be creative and, and have input are the most successful. Uh, but yeah. that's not the norm yeah. in, in corporate America. The norm is this is what you do. Stay in your lane. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and, I, you know, and, and I think for yep. No, I was just saying, and, and corporations, the, the, the best thing that corporations could learn from that is, you know, is to, to stop and consider where could you give people a retractable leash in a sense? Where could you yeah. give them space to play? Because there's definitely, you know, I, I know there's a necessity for some structure, and yet there's also playtime. It's like, okay, now this is the space you can have some freedom in. And the more they can give people right. that, the more, um, you know, the more people will be happy. I really like that. I, I, I think that's a great analogy, and I'm sure there were other, other great things. What is your dog's name? His name's Leo. Leo. All right, Leo. Leo. <laughs> <laughs> I just took it away from him, but I... <laughs> I, I figured you did because I didn't hear it anymore. <laughs> I know. I brought you with yeah, I bribed him with a little peanut butter, which which is also another analogy that you know you got to find what your um, what the treat is that would would allow you to do what you need to do, right? You know, what is your incentive? What do you, do you want your incentive to be? And for my dog, it's peanut butter. <laughs> I love it. I love it, peanut butter. I have to try that. Listen, we we have just a few minutes left in the call. This has been a great call and a, and a great topic, uh, folks. Make sure you go out and get her book. It's finding fabulous. Uh, Paving the Path Between Paycheck and Passion. Uh, you can learn a, a lot more about her book. She's got some great suggestions and great ideas about how to make that transition, how to, how to find fabulous in your life and, and not the necessary drudgery that many of us wake up tomorrow morning and go, ugh. So um, in closing, what I'd like for you to tell us a little bit about is that blurring the lines. You, you talk about work and play. How do we blur the lines for those that are really ready to make that transition? <laughs> yes. Um, for me, I, that's my true passion is blurring the lines between work and play. My dog is that perfect example because when I'm out hiking and playing with him, I get my best ideas for writing. I get analogies that I use with clients. And so I've found that space that I can really sort of let go of all of my anxieties. And in those moments, I'm just allowing myself to be truly who I am. And so that's the suggestion for people is to start down that path of knowing what brings you that joy and that freedom of your mind and your thought. And what is it? It's going to look different for other people. Some people aren't dog people. Some people don't like to hike. So I'm not sure what that is for other people. But finding that space where um, you're actually like, I'm not sure if I'm working or playing because I'm having so much fun doing it and I'm making a difference in the world. And so to me, that's where the blurring the lines comes. Thank you so much. Thank you for being on the show today, folks. Just look her up at www.lisadad.com. That's D-A-D-D.com. Have a beautiful, wonderful, 
Sunday. This is, uh, gosh, Rory, at the end of the first month of 2017. I look forward to many more shows over the year. Have a beautiful, blessed day. Namaste.